Hey there, and thanking you for joining us today. We are previewing the 2023 Major League Soccer season, and today we're talking LA Galaxy. By now you know what we're doing, 29 episodes, 29 teams, we're bringing on specialists from each Major League Soccer team around the league to bring you a preview and talk about the Major League Soccer season coming up 2023, right around the corner. Um, we're cutting these ones close, but today we're joined by Eric, the Portuguese Hammer uh, from Corner of the Galaxy Podcast. How you doing today, Eric? Doing well, Bob. Thanks for having me on. Again, 29 teams, 29 shows. Kudos to you and the team for, you know, getting uh, every, all the wrangling all these uh, MLS cats and getting them all in the same room talking about it. So, yeah, excited to talk some LA Galaxy soccer. So, I got to ask the nickname, <laughs> the Twitter handle. It's 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 really not as exciting as a story as, as it may seem. So the Portuguese hammer is a name that was born out of uh, a group of friends. We used to do, uh, it was called the guys in shorts uh, podcast. It was LA based Southern California based. And I just had a, a friend who, you know, gave me that nickname. We were working parks and rec and it was, you know, something that I did when we went out bowling and, you know, they, you know, just said it's, it's the Portuguese hammer. And it was just one of those like stupid throwaway lines. But of course, once someone latches onto it and starts calling you that name, then it's stuck. And then people started, you know, just calling me the hammer Portuguese hammer, the hammer, and, and it works. It's stuck. It's in writing now, so it's yeah, official. I mean, exactly. You, I changed my handles. Yeah, I changed my handles. There's no going back now. <laughs> so um, let's jump into it. A lot of people now uh, are going to be watching this. Might not be LA Galaxy supporters or fans per se. Maybe they're doing a little opposition research. Maybe they're new. Uh, you know, on the new Apple TV package, or you know hangovers from the world cup looking to get mm -hmm. their their soccer fix what does everyone need to know about team culture and ownership well the la galaxy uh you know <laughs> without to, there's no way to say this without sounding boastful but the la galaxy is major league soccer you know they're the first to five the team in the league with the most championships uh the most pedigree when it comes to signing the big names uh if you're new to soccer maybe you've heard of a guy called david beckham uh he was someone who was signed with the la galaxy in 2007 and kind of really changed the game in terms of american soccer and putting the league on the map and so the galaxy are you know a legacy franchise they were part of the league when it started in 1996 uh and then they you know had, had some nice championship runs uh in the in the early 10s uh, with, you know, 2011, 2012 championships, then 2014. So with Bruce Arena, Landon Donovan, David Beckham, Robbie Keane, all those big names who were known internationally. When you hear about these big teams, they end up coming to the LA Galaxy. And even as recently as a few years ago, we had Zlatan Ibrahimovic, uh, you know, had some time with the LA Galaxy, scored some wonderful goals, opening up the, the rivalry of El Trafico. And then currently we have Chicharito, Javier Chicharito Hernandez, uh, you know, the highest scoring Mexican player, national team player of all time. Uh, and he's, who's he going to sign with? Of course, he's going to sign with the LA Galaxy. So they're really the marquee franchise. Uh, but again, I'd be burying the lead. If you're just new to the league, and you're a hangover from the World Cup, you might not be familiar with all that because right now the Galaxy, as of late in the last you know three to four years, haven't been setting the world on fire. Uh, you know, the, the elephant in the room, the club culture right now, with the current state of you know the president of operations, Chris Klein, there's a current supporters group boycott. So that's kind of the the black cloud that's hanging over the the head of the franchise right now. Touch that but, a little bit because I don't think yeah. a lot of people outside the LA circle are familiar with that situation. I've read up on it and it just seems like they want a new owner because they're not buying 
10 million dollar players anymore <laughs> well that, see, i know there's gonna be more to that there's more nuance to it and you know and i'm happy to kind of to fill in those gaps uh the ownership group is aeg they're one of the most uh you know wealthy ownership groups in all of world football really uh but they they own a lot of uh you know concert venues things like that so that 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 accounts for the deep pockets where they're able to go and kind of get basically any player that they want uh in 2013 they appointed chris klein who's a former MLS, mls player uh, finished his career with the LA Galaxy as club president. Under his tenure, while he was appointed in 2013, the Galaxy won a championship in 2014, and that was their last championship. And so some would argue that uh, it was really under Bruce Arena's tenure that the, those players who won the championship in 2014 were Bruce Arena holdovers. So since Chris Klein's um, presidency, He's oversaw the Galaxy in the past over the past 10 years, and they've had their worst performing season in 2017. In that year, in 2017, he received a five-year extension. Um, he was um, during that five-year span, the Galaxy missed the playoffs four out of the five years. The one year that they did make the playoffs, it was now revealed this past season that it was there was a cheating scandal where they were paying players under the table. They were they went outside of league mechanisms, so he was overseeing a cheating scandal. And so the fan base was really to move on and to get a new president, new kind of someone, someone running soccer operations. And uh, it was basically very quiet from the LA Galaxy side. And it was kind of leaked, uh, you know, not leaked, but the LA Times uh, reporter Kevin Baxter kind of was persistent. And he was the one who had to report the news that he was actually still with the LA Galaxy. But the Galaxy didn't want to come forward with that information. And there's just little leaks that, uh, you know, he's he, it's a multi-year extension and the, the supporters groups are just not happy with how he's overseen the club direction the club has gone under his tenure and so they want a new club president so it's not necessarily a new ownership group but they want someone else in charge of the soccer operations they feel like they're putting the outside of the soccer field environment you know ticket sales sponsorships ahead of the product on the field and the season opener now is that rose bowl stadium is going to have what seventy five thousand people there it's going to be sold out um, what what is that going to look yeah. like? Is that part of the boycott, or like, the, are we boycotting except for that game? It, it it was one of those things that is going to be part of the boycott. The supporters groups have said that they are not planning to attend, so you won't from the LA Galaxy side see the drums, see the chants, the flares, all those things are not going to be there from the LA Galaxy side. So that is part of the boycott. Uh, unfortunately, um, I think part of when the backroom deals were happening when that Apple TV deal was coming was they wanted a big bang to open the season and El Trafico, in my opinion, and of course, consider the source, uh, someone who's LA based, um, you know, it's the, it's the league marquee rivalry. And so I think to open with an El Trafico LA galaxy versus LAFC in a big venue, like the Rose bowl, a historic venue, it's a return home. That's where the galaxy played their original games. They felt like this was going to be, you know, blow it out big. And tickets went on sale, you know, before the end of last season. So people were scooping up tickets. And then at the beginning of the year in January is when they announced that Chris Klein was being extended. That's when the boycott started. So a lot of those tickets were already sold. Um, but, you know, I've heard from several supporter groups, uh, fans who are mentioned they have tickets. They're not going to resell them. They want the empty seats there. So it should be kind of interesting. We'll see either partially empty seats or maybe I will a, tell a, you make one thing yeah. being a Red Bull fan. Because there are games every week. 
12,000 people there and announces 24,000 people are 24. Yeah, of course. It doesn't matter. (laughs) If the ticket is sold, just go to the game because it doesn't matter that you're not there. The money is paid. The ticket is sold. It doesn't. They literally could not care less. Okay, let's move on. (laughs) Um, And this, because I I can go on for another 15 minutes. That's a whole another show, right? (laughs) A whole other show. 34 games last season, 14, 8, and 12. 58 goals, 51 goals against, plus seven goal differential. Um, you guys had a very good second half of the season, including the final four games, winning three of the four and you know, being without a loss to, to make it uh, to secure a playoff spot. Did not look like it was always guaranteed for sure last season. Um, what, what, what was the story of last season? Last season, you kind of mentioned it. They really didn't turn it on until the last third of the season with the addition of Ricky Puj uh, for Barcelona fell out of favor. Uh, towards the end of the the Barcelona season, the European season, uh, around May. So that made him available. Barcelona was looking to kind of ship him off. The Galaxy were the benefactors of that, were able to bring him in, and he really changed uh, the culture of the team. Alongside Gaston Brugman, who was another Uruguayan international, who was a summer signing, they kind of made the difference. Um, and with those that midfield um, solidified, that really you know kept put Chicharito back on track. He had kind of a lull in the middle of the season and they really ended on a hot streak. And, uh, you know, obviously it, uh, when the playoffs got going, they ended up winning, uh, one playoff home game. They got a home playoff game, one against Nashville. Then they had to go on the road, uh, you know, down the street, uh, you know, against LAFC and, you know, just some, some, yeah, last minute, uh, things that did not go our way, but I I liked what I saw from the LA galaxy. I thought if there was any team who was going to be able uh, to upset LAFC with the, you know, how they were coming in. I felt like the galaxy were the team who were going to upset them. And unfortunately they were not, no one else was able to stop them, uh, last season. Unfortunately, let's talk about the contributors. Now you have two guys contributing 30 goals, Chicharito, 18 goals, two assists and Dejan Jovalcic with 12 goals, three assists, a big drop off, but you do have some other contributors, Douglas, Douglas Costa, four goals and an assist, Grand Seer, four goals, six assists. I believe he left this offseason. Efrain Alvarez, two goals, five assists. Ricky Puig, is that the pronunciation? It's Puig. It looks like Puig. And then again, as an LA guy, former Do- you know Dodger fan, you know we had uh, Yasiel Puig, yeah, 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 but yeah. it's Puig. It's, it's, it's Puj. the pronunciation we've been told. Three goals, two assists for Ricky Puig. And uh, Julian Araujo with one yep. goal, five assists to, to round up your goal scores. They're looking at this chart, I mean... Top heavy, and you have the best sub in the league. Yeah, that, that's really what it comes down to, especially when you look at that number two, Dejan Jovalich. He was really the super sub. When you look at the amount of minutes that he had, uh, really, it was under a thousand minutes. And to be the second highest goal scorer, he was really, you know, a spark of magic. And a lot of LA Galaxy fans were kind of clamoring for Greg Vanny to get, you know, let's get both goal scorers on the field. But Vanny kind of stuck to his guns that the system that he plays is going to be a one striker system. So he liked having Chicharito as his main gold scorer and then holding that kind of over day on Jovalich. You know, who knows if it's a motivating factor, you come in with your pants on fire, uh, knowing that if I go in and I'm going to score a goal and that's exactly what day on Jovalich brought uh, to the team last season. So we're going to see how that plays out this season. Chicharito was announced today during training. You know, he's carrying a limp. He might be doubtful uh, to start the season. So Jovalich might get his chance to show what he can do as a starter. I heard now that was a hamstring that happened, I believe, at the beginning of training, and it just looked like he could have tweaked it again now with these uh, with these old men. I, I shouldn't say that. She's <laughs> really younger than I am. But with some of these old men, uh, you, you might carry that for, for, for a couple of weeks. So yeah. uh, I hate to see that at the beginning of the season. But, again, uh, you guys are in super, super shape at the striker position. That's one spot I'm not worried. 
Yeah, I, I think and Chicharito, he was an injury concern the first year, um, and then he had, he had some moments where he missed it. But last season, he was relatively healthy, and so uh, it's uh, unfortunate. It was one of those things you're waiting for the wheels to fall off, and you know it took a little it took until the start of this season it was actually preseason match at the Coachella Valley International uh, Invitational. Excuse me, that's where one of the matches he had to come subbed off early, and he hasn't really been right since then. And then they, you know, he was hopeful that he was going to start, and then again at training today, it looked like maybe he either reaggravated it or it, it wasn't quite ready. Uh, to what he thought it was going to be. You had some contributors leave. You had uh, Nick DePoy out to Nashville, um, Derek Williams to DC United, Kevin Cabral to Colorado. You know, the guy who can't score, but is always <laughs> somehow magically in the right spot on the pitch. He's having a heck of a preseason. We call him, yeah, Mr. February. Yeah, he has great Februarys, but doesn't <laughs> doesn't get it done in the regular season. Uh, Ryan Ravelson. And then you had, you know, AJ Delagarza, Sasha Question retired. Uh, Sasha Question, I'm a Red Bull guy up from New yep. York myself. So uh, that was a know, tough one. Fantastic yeah. attack. Did anything else hurt? Were any of the other moves you really look at and say, you know, th- this is, this things? The, the one that hurt the most was the most recent one with Julian Araujo leaving uh, sure. to Barcelona. That, that was the one where you were banking on it, him being there. He was one of the most solid players, led the, t- led the team in assists for the past few seasons. So as a right back, bombing up that line and kind of feeding Chicharito, he was, that was his role, and he excelled at it. So um, he was an unexpected person to leave the team. So that was kind of a, a shock, and I think that might hurt the most. They're going to be trying to fill in his replacement. So that that's going to be the toughest one. But the other pieces are really addition by subtraction. To your point, uh, you know, Kevin Cabral was signed as a youth designated player, and he just couldn't put the ball in the back of the net, you know, and just he needed a new fit, new scenery, and uh, the Galaxy was very happy to send him elsewhere, and that shows in the fact that they're actually still paying part of his salary to go and play for a different team. Sure. And then, yeah, Grant's here was a little bit of a surprise as well, but he wasn't really, you know, someone who you can count on game in, game out. For the, I mean, looked yeah. magnificent at bursts. Like, yeah. I... East Coast games are on. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to say LAFC is my second favorite team, but, you know, I, I dig the black and gold, if you know what I mean. Um, the, the When I saw him play in live action, not on replays, just looked absolutely fantastic. But now you guys got Memo Rodriguez, so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, we, yeah. Consider what you will. He's actually had an excellent preseason playing well for the galaxy and the different difference between Grand Sur and Cabral Grand Sur had that extra edge, that extra fire to it. And when you look at production at the end of the day, it really wasn't that different, but he just had that extra fire, those extra bursts. That was another one. There's a little bit of surprise wanted to be closer to home, uh, you know, in, in his home country of France. So not much the galaxy could have, could have done there, but uh, the, that's really kind of how the ones that hurt the most, uh, you know, weren't the Kevin Cabral move doesn't really hurt. That was addition by subtraction, but Julian Araujo, I think is one, depending on the replacement they're able to get in. And if they're able to get him in on time, uh, that might be one that leaves, leaves a pretty big hole back there. Now touch on the story a little bit, because I was reading, you know, that Barca was looking at him very last minute. And uh, so last minute, in fact, that they couldn't get the transfer through the, the transfer was nine minutes, I think late. Yeah. And they said, okay, it can't go through. And then three days later I saw, oh, the transfer went through. What was the story that happened? Yeah, it, it was kind of an interesting, a, a very unique and kind of strange thing. Julian Araujo is a player who was uh, linked to the Barcelona Academy. Uh, Barcelona has an Academy that's U S based in, in Arizona. He was first kind of put on the radar there. The LA Galaxy have been in in communication with Barcelona, obviously with the addition of Ricky Puj last season. So there's always been that communication. And Julian Rajo has always kind of been uh, on their radar. Um, they had, uh, I believe, one of the one of their right backs fell through. They had a min, uh, you know, a deal last minute. 
where they couldn't get the player that they wanted. And so Julian Araujo was kind of next on their list. And so that's why it kind of lined up being later on in the transfer window and why it was kind of a last minute deal to try to get through. But essentially what happened is the deal went through, but as far as the player registration, the window was, uh, I was told it was, you know, 18 seconds late. That's how tight the window was uh, <laughs> or something like that. It, wasn't 18 it said it was a, a computer glitch or something like that. That's what they were saying. So basically the deal was completed from the LA galaxy to Barcelona, but sure. the player could not be registered. So then, um, there was some gamesmanship there where Barcelona was like, well, we can't register him so you can have it back. And there was some kind of walking back from the galaxy side. Hey, you made the deal. It wasn't contingent on registration. That's on your end. And I know FIFA was looking into it and as far as, you know, can they investigate the glitch and things like that? So over the course of a week, you know, poor Julian Araujo, it's a boyhood dream still, to, you know, yeah, very young yeah, player. Course. You want to go to Barcelona, you want to go to Europe and it's, his future was in limbo, but it did finally kind of work out that he is going to end up in Barcelona. Might not get first team minutes, might end up playing for Barcelona B, might need to be loaned out uh, somewhere else in the meantime. But, uh, you know, from his perspective and as someone who supports, you know, young players and you want to, wanting to see the league grow, you want young stars on ML, in MLS to shine and then to go to Europe and kind of show what they can do around the world. So I'm ha- happy for him, you know, as, as a person, but bummed as an LA Galaxy fan. Absolutely. You want to be that platform. You want kids to want to come to LA Galaxy and play because they know that that the, the relationship is there. Okay, let's talk a little bit about the depth chart now. We've had some players in and some players out. Attacking Trident now. We got Memo Rodriguez up on the left, Douglas Costa out on the right with uh, Boyd behind him. And I think Tyler Boyd had a pretty good uh, last match. Uh, then you got Chicharito and Jovic, which we've talked about before. Let's talk about these wingers. So yeah, Memo Rodriguez, I think that is not going to be his final spot. When he was signed with the LA Galaxy from Houston, um, it was believed that it was more of a depth signing. He was going to fill in probably in the middle uh, to spot uh, to spot fill for Brugman, Puj, and Delgado. But obviously with Grant Sir leaving kind of unexpectedly, um, Douglas Costa, who's someone who's had some injury issues, um, you know, has kind of flirted with going back to Brazil the winger position is a position of need and he's kind of filled in for now and had, had a really excellent preseason. So that might not be his final landing spot, but as far as the season starting in just a few days, uh, Memo Rodriguez is going to be our starting winger winger. Um, Tyler Boyd is another one who was with the galaxy for, you know, the last few weeks in, in preseason U uh, S national team player. Um, there are some issues with his team and kind of getting all, all the contract signs uh, and everything going, but he looks like he's going to fill in on that wing. So, um, I think if healthy, you might see Tyler Boyd in that Memo Rodriguez spot opposite Douglas Costa, or um, you might even see Tyler Boyd, if, if things don't work out with Costa or if injuries continue to be a concern with him, you might see Tyler Boyd starting on the right. And Efrain Alvarez has also had um, you know, a little bit of a good preseason. He might end up being your starting winger as well. He's someone who's looked great in the preseason. Our joke uh, on, on the Galaxy podcast on, on Corner of the Galaxy is, you know, this is uh, Efrain Alvarez's fifth breakout season. He's someone who's, you know, yeah. still, still very young, but, yeah. you know, burst on the scene when he was 17 years old. And every year was supposed to be the year. Okay, this is the year. This is the year. And it just never panned out. But he's had a solid preseason. Maybe this is the year for, for Efrain Alvarez. Let's talk about this midfield. I got Brugman, uh, Puj, and Marco Delgado. Now, do we see this as, you know, two tens and an eight or two tens and a six, two eights and a six, a ten and eight and a six? Where do they line up in the midfield? I assume this is our, our best starting three here. Yeah. I, and this, um, again, I, I'll, I'll fight people on this one. I, I feel like this this middle three can, can match up with, with some of the best in the league. I think Delgado is someone who kind of um, 
slides under the radar, but when you look at his, his statistics, you know, his pass percentage and, and completions, he's really solid. I think he fits more of that, that six role. And uh, you see Brugman more in that eight and then push can be your playmaker can get up when he needs to. So he's more, uh, you know, even in that 10 role, he can kind of fill that distributing. You see him whipping in passes and kind of, you know, put putting, uh, you know, think, dropping passes on a dime to get things going there. So, uh, you know, that's how it kind of lines up, but they are very fluid. You know, uh, Brugman can kind of float back when he needs to and cover Delgado when Delgado needs to push forward. Um, Pouge could push out to the wing and that could, they could be interchangeable when some of those players have Alvarez move more central or Costa move more, more central. So it is a very fluid kind of triangle in the middle, but those three, uh, I'm, I'm very pleased in the, our, our spine in the middle. Uh, I'm pretty happy with, I think they're, they're a solid, uh, one of the best, um, middle three in the league. Absolutely. Let's talk about the fullbacks. The first thing I'm going to ask is, because this changes very, very drastically from <laughs> soccer team to soccer team. What are they expected to do? Can they do it? And what, what does our depth chart look like here? I think uh, the back line is something that's been a little bit of the thorn of the side of the LA Galaxy. Inconsistency is really, really the key there. Julian Araujo was the most consistent player and, and he's gone. So Martin Caceres is someone who was brought in late last season. He didn't play very many games, but he's someone with loads of international experience played in world cups, but you know, was at um, the 2022 world cup that we just saw. So I think he's someone who that experience is going to be massive for the LA galaxy and really kind of is going to settle the back line. Sega Koulibaly is someone who the couple years ago, he was someone who looked a little bit shaky. He was brought in to be someone who was going to settle the back line, but he really was never able to solidify a starting spot. But last season he took control of that starting lineup. Uh, spot Derek Williams, why he's on the outs is because Selga Koulibaly has shown that he's going to be the head, uh, the one of the best options there uh, at center back. You have Chris Mavinga, who was brought in from Toronto. He's going to be fighting for a starting role. So if if things don't work out with Koulibaly, you can see Mavinga sliding in there. And then for your outside backs, you have Le- Kelvin Leardem. Um, he didn't get a lot of time with the Galaxy last season because Araujo really played, uh, in, I think, yeah. the second most minutes behind Jonathan Bond, our goalkeeper. But he's been very good in Major League Soccer before. I yeah, think he's, he's with ex- us, he's Seattle. So, yeah. Yeah, he's got that experience, been with the league. And then Raheem Edwards is another one who I like what he brings moving forward. But, you know, the, he's a little bit of a liability on defense. And, and unfortunately, sometimes your defenders need to defend. And that's kind of a, you know, a, a big issue if he can't defend in, in back there. So we'll see what happens. You also have the kid uh, Jalen Neal in the back there. I know I, uh, yeah, after I the U.S. men's national team <laughs> thing, I, I ended up following his mother on Twitter just randomly because she's just posting stuff about her son, just pumping it up the whole time. Yeah, yeah. She goes hard for her son. Yeah, I didn't sh- mention Jalen Neal there, but he's someone who got a U.S. national team cap before he got his first MLS star. But that the kid has it. You know, he's someone who's another young player. But when he got preseason minutes last season, he passes the eye test, very calm, cool, collected. You saw it with his, his match with the, the national team. So he's someone who Greg Vanny has mentioned he's going to get MLS starting minutes. And depending on how things go, he may, you know, be able to be fighting for a starting spot, you know, with depth and injuries and how things go. He, he could be the LA Galaxy starter at the end of the season. So what are some storylines we need to follow this season with LA Galaxy? Is there anything that sticks out? I think uh, the the big thing is going to be, a, you know, Dayan Jovalich, is he going to turn from super sub into a can't deny need to be on the field for more minutes and depend. And part of that is going to, part of that factor is going to be, can Chicharito stay healthy? You saw those are the two players who almost all of the goals for the LA galaxy came through those two players. So if Chicharito can stay healthy, can he be consistent and continue to put, put in those, you know, uh, 10, 15 plus 
uh, goal per season performances, or is Dejan Jovlich going to need to step up and kind of backfill um, that role? The, I mentioned it a little bit, kind of hinted at it. Efrain Alvarez, is this the year? Is this the year where he finally kind of breaks out and becomes uh, a game in, game out starter and really starts to put more performance together, performances together where he's racking up assists and goals as opposed to just one or two highlights for an entire season? And then the final storyline would be Ricky Pooj player who finished the final third of the season with the LA Galaxy. And I'm really excited to see what he could do over the course of a full season. He's mentioned he's gunning for a league MVP yeah, type season. I, so I that, love that. I saw that in the article today. Yeah. I, you know, pe- people, I'm I'm a New York sports fan and the New York sports media is notorious for being really, really hard on, on <laughs> players. And someone asked like Eli Manning, this is going back like almost a decade ago. Are you an elite quarterback? And he said, yes. And they gave him crap for it. Yeah. Like, that's what that's you want. That's the answer. That's yeah. all you want to hear. Yeah. Get the guy with two Super Bowls, he can say whatever he wants, right? You stick it to New England there. So, yeah, I, I'm a big fan of Ricky Pouge. I'm excited to what he could do over the course of a full season. So, I'd say keep your eyes open. Ricky Pouge could definitely be an MVP contender uh, for the LA Galaxy this season. I got some quick hit questions to finish up. Hit me. Biggest strength of the team. Biggest strength of the team is that that center triangle, Brugman, Puj, and Delgado. That's, you know, they're they're really solid. When they're on and they're clicking, the LA Galaxy are very hard to beat. Biggest weakness. It's that back line. As a collective, they have not spent a lot of time together. There's not a lot of gelling, so that back line does make me a little bit nervous. Who's one player outside of our projected opening day 11 who has the biggest chance of winning a starting job? Oh, I hinted at it. Jalen Neal. Uh, Jalen Neal is someone that um, if... Things go south and and player that backline continues to look shaky. He's going to get his chance, and he can he can show that he he deserves to be back there. One player most likely to drop outside of the starting eleven. This is almost unfair because he's already kind of on a fringe player, but he's our designated player, Douglas Costa. Um, you know, if he just can't perform, I could see him sitting the bench. You know, have a very expensive, uh, you know, five million dollar bench player. It hurts as a coach, but I I think Greg Vanny has enough cachet to make that move if he needs to, if it's what's best for the team. Last and final question. Who's your biggest rival? Uh, it's the answer is LAFC. There's going to be San Jose fans who are going to be really upset, but that's kind of the classic <laughs> rivalry. The Cali Classico uh, used to be San Jose and, you know, LA versus uh, the Bay is definitely a thing, but since our noisy neighbors have joined to town, that they're, they're the biggest rivals that we have at the moment. Uh, and that's why the league is cashing in on it and opening the season with that rivalry game. Eric Vieira, the Portuguese hammer from Corner of the Galaxy podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here tonight. Do you have any last words? No, that's it. Appreciate you having me on, Bob. Appreciate all the hard work that you do. And uh, if you want to follow me on on any socials for for memes and good times and TikTok dances, I'm at HammerEV9 on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Eric, thank you so much for taking the time out. And thank you, Evan, at home for tuning in. IEDsports.com, YouTube.com, backslash IED Sports. You can find us anywhere you listen to podcasts. Thanks and have a great week. (laughs) 